Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm not making these guys choose their songs. We allow our guests to choose their walk-up music, but good going, J.J. Stankovic. You get to stay. You get oh, to, thank you, you. You get to go to the bonus round. <laughs> From NBC Sports Chicago, covers the Bears. J.J. Stankovic joins me in Spiegel. On the score, we suck so you don't have to. J.J. doesn't suck. That's why we asked him to come on. And let me run by run by you a theory I voiced earlier. I think the Bears, I'm so eager to see this performance, to see how mature they are, because the break came at the right time to judge them, to see how rooted and grounded they are coming off a week where they had smoke blowing up their backsides for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And now they've got to go out and produce. So what is it? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that um, this team's already shown a lot of maturity. Uh, you look at how they lost that Green Bay game, and that to a, a team that is a first-year coach, um, you know, I was talking about this with my colleague John Moon Mullen on our uh, the Under Center podcast this Moon! week for us. And, yeah, and, you know, we, we were having the discussion of, you know, players know who's a fraud. They know what coach actually can coach and what coach they, you know, they need to respect. And when you lose a game like they lost in Green Bay, that was an early test of how the team really does view Matt Nagy. And you look at how they've came out after it um, with a lot of resiliency. Players talked in that Tampa game about how, you know, when they got up by 20 points early, that they wanted to step on the throat of the Buccaneers. They didn't want to let Green Bay happen again. Um, I think that really speaks to the maturity of this team, the, you know, the, the way that they respect Nagy and how they view him. Um, but you're absolutely right, Steve. I mean, th- this is going to be a test because they've had nothing but smoke blowing up their butts, like you said, for two weeks after beating a team by 38 points, and now you got to go on the road against a pretty salty defense. Um, it's definitely going to be a test of how this team comes back from, you know, having a week off and, you know, seeing if they can continue that momentum. Was there was there any actual evidence that Jordan Howard was bothered or, or, or upset? You know, he, yes, that, we needed a storyline in the media. That, that's all I'm so saying. So that's what it well, is. Well, that's what I'm saying. And even you referenced it. it earlier, like like 25 minutes ago. Like you're not, you don't care how angry well, he, he was. Left. He left. He wouldn't stop. That's for all. Reporters. That's all. He left. He, he left. Jabari Parkered him. Uh, no, no, no. See, Jabari Parker is a guy who openly disdains defense and and cries about what a difficult adjustment it would be to come off the bench. Defense. No, but Jordan Howard has had a tremendous attitude the entire time he's been a Bear, so it would surprise me if he was pissed after they scored 48 points. Yeah, I, I don't know if he was, you know, angry to the point where he didn't want to talk to the media because even after he has a good game, he generally doesn't seem like he wants to talk to the media. Um, also, he's like, what, the ninth or tenth biggest story of that game? That Maybe 12th or 15th. I was just going to say this. It, it, it's really tickled me how much attention this is getting from fans. You know, I, I watched the I watched back the live stream of Matt Nagy's press conference yesterday. Um, and on a comment on there on Periscope, it's nothing but give the ball to Howard, give the ball to Howard. And it's like you, you, your team just scored 48 points. Your quarterback threw six touchdowns, but all you can think about is giving the ball to a running back who has been 
good in his career, but like the offense is doing better than they ever have without Jordan Howard being a big part of it. Why does this matter? And, you know, I, I think it matters, I guess, if you're playing, you know, daily fantasy or, uh, you know, you got Jordan Howard in, in fantasy football and you're like, why isn't he doing anything? But um, the way the Bears are viewing it is that they, they have this guy in Howard who, if they need to have a guy who just, you know, pounds it inside three, four yards of carry and they can get that push from the offensive line, they're going to give him the ball still. But in games where the interior of the defense they're playing is really good, um, and you have like a Gerald McCoy or someone like that, um, I think that, you know, then you're probably going to see a lot more Tariq Cohen because he can make guys miss. Jordan Howard's not a make-the-first-guy-miss type of a running back, but Tariq Cohen is. So this is going to be kind of a game-to-game thing. Um, Whether or not Howard's cool with it, I don't think matters too much because if the Bears are winning, everyone's cool with it. You know, you're going to need everything. You're going to need all of it. Right. And, and and having Howard, ha- having time. Howard, the threat of him is going to make everything else look uh, a little better. And the threat of everything else is going to make Jordan Howard look a little better. The one thing that I will give that it does intrigue me is the snap count. I believe he was only on the field for 33 of 61 Which snaps. Which was more than Cohen played. Okay, so so it's still more than Cohen, but it's but it is it is less. And I thought there was going to be a lot of times where they'd be on together. I'm not sure how much they were on together, JJ. Uh, I you know I looked that up and I don't have it in front of me right now. Okay, um, you know they they have been used together quite a bit this year, far more than they ever were last year, certainly. Um, And you know the Bears like that. They like the ability to kind of go off of those two guys. You can go play action that opens up a lot of things for Mitch Trubisky. And uh, I think that, you know, just their different skill sets, you know, Mark Helfrich was talking about it this week, that, you know, look, it's really rare nowadays for a team to have one running back who does everything, you know, unless you're Todd Gurley or Saquon Barkley. I mean, you're going to have to have two running backs who can do kind of different things, and that's what the Bears have. So I think that that relationship going forward, you know, Howard and Cohen are close. That's not going to change no matter how they're used in games. And, you know, I think you would also kind of expect Howard to not be totally okay with getting his carries cut. But at the same time, again, if the team's winning, everyone is going to have to be okay with it. Talking with J.J. Stankovitz of NBC Sports Chicago, talking Bears football here on The Score. The interesting thing about the Dolphins is <clears throat> their third down, first of all, they have 10 interceptions. They lead the NFL, yep. which is not good if you're Mitch Trubisky because they'll pick you off if you're Mitch Trubisky, the way they picked everyone else off at the start of the season. But their third down, they're awful. They allow 44% conversion rate, and they're the eighth worst on third down, which would seem to be certainly third and short. They can't catch up to Tariq Cohen, but you'd want Jordan Howard to play a bigger role then. So there's some thought that, that Jordan Howard has a big a big play role, not necessarily long gains, not chunk plays, but extending drives and that kind of contribution. And the Dolphins are never going to catch Tariq Cohen. They're just not going to do well with something like that. And I think we could see yet another wrinkle in the way, as Speaks, as you were talking, they're on the field at the same time. Mm -hmm. And they present different problems. And so go ahead and substitute if you want. I can see that coming down against a Dolphins defense that wants to give you an extra chance. They want to give you an extra set of downs. I don't know what your scouting has shown, J.J. What what do you think the likelihood of that is? I think it's pretty high. I mean, if, if you're getting into – if 
if teams are converting a lot of third downs, they're probably converting a lot of, you know, uh, standard downs, so third and five and short uh, and shorter than that. So I think that is a good spot for Jordan Howard because he's a guy who, as long as the interior blocking is there, he'll get you two to three yards, and you can count on that. Um, if they start realizing that the Dolphins' interior defense is getting into the backfield more than they would like, then you'll probably see a lot of Cohen. But I, I do think that, you know, I think you're spot on with that, that this could be a game where Howard gets a lot of carries. He could have, say, 14 carries for maybe 41 yards. But if they're getting first downs on most of those carries, then that's a good thing. Um, the one thing that I, you know, looking at the Dolphins, that I'm interested in is how Matt Nagy calls this. Because you brought up the third down and the interception. Those two things would indicate that they're giving up a lot of extended drives and then, you know, Xavier Howard's coming up with an interception. Um, so when the Bears get into the red zone, how aggressive are they going to let Mitch Trubisky be with decision-making, knowing that you've got a ball-hawking defense on the other side that could easily make a play on the ball? So uh, that, that is something I'm going to be really interested in watching is just how the Bears operate in the red zone. If it is very conservative, and hey, you know, we're just going to give the ball to Howard and Cohen for three straight times when we get down inside the 20, and we'll take a field goal because our defense is good enough to stop kind of a mediocre offense. Or does Nagy keep up the aggression, see if Mitch can make a throw early, and then see if that kind of unlocks everything the rest of the game? Okay, JJ, I, I just think that it's going to be a real short game because I just think they're going to have to stop the fight when it's Khalil Mack against Ryan Tannehill, and then when he injures him, it'll be Khalil Mack against Brock Osweiler. And yeah, think, Ryan Tannehill's already got a bum throwing shoulder. I think it'll be all so, over. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the Dolphins getting a whole lot on offense in this game, uh, especially with the Bears getting Prince Mukamara back. That's you know now you have a, a group of receivers that are all kind of yeah now going up against the secondary that's at full strength. Um, yeah, I don't I don't quite see the Dolphins doing a whole lot. The one thing that would change that would be if Trubisky gives the Dolphins offense some short fields and they're able to convert those into touchdowns. Oh, then um, it's your fault because you said that. You set that I, out I into the universe. That. Yes, you, I did. The, I did. You yeah. contributed to the chaos theory, so we're you know we're going <laughs> to have to end this interview. Say hi to Moon. I will do that. Thanks, JJ. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. J.J. Stankovitz of NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, we um, we will hear from David Schuster. Just some terrific Bears. I mean, Bulls. Bulls. You know, they like Jabari Parker is junior Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler is a junior Kardashian. Uh, he's one of the worst leaders of all time, a man who is so crazed. He has no idea what he's doing. I can't wait. We'll talk to Chris Hine at 1 o'clock for the Minneapolis Star Tribune and Schuster at the bottom of the hour. Yeah, um, I've got whew, long Jabari thoughts. Well, I, I wanted to like him. I wanted to like him so much. I wanted to wrap my arms around the story. Just because who he was or because it was the hometown thing? Yes. Yes, yes, because the hometown thing, the hometown thing, and like, oh, he's giving giving him a chance. This is great, and you know, he thought he was going to be the man in Milwaukee. He was all about those lakes, those Great Lakes. You know, he's a big Lake yeah, Michigan guy. The great lakes. He was. Remember on draft oh, night, right? A draft night, like, Even oh, Chicago, Milwaukee, Lake Erie, Lake... Great Lakes, man, shouting out for Lake Michigan, Lake Superior, all of them. But I, I wanted to like the story, and there's just so much to dislike about about Jabari Awful. so far. It's you know, what, oh, this he, is he gonna played be really well. This is going to be. Last game, Dwayne. he played really well. He did, and then he wouldn't talk afterwards, right. so he's still angry. This is this is Dwayne Wade. This is a different, an un, unbejeweled version of Dwayne Wade. This is just as much a disaster of a guy who was brought in to do something, and and 
he's not capable of doing what his ego says he is. Mm. The Bulls don't think so. And Wade wasn't either. He was rickety and he wasn't going to play defense. And boy, there's your similarity right there. This is just going to be stop with the hometown. Jerry Krause had it right. Stop with the hometown things. Derrick Rose is the only exception. Eddie Curry. So we don't need that. No, that's it. By the way, I have a list. We, you brought up Jack Cust. I did bring up Jack Cust. Which we've had Jack Cust, Rubatel. Rubatel, Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown. This has been quite a show. You won't believe some of the names we'll bring up now. Similar batters to Kyle Schwarber. Oh, boy. To Who this do you point- think the number one baseball reference comp is in a similarity score? Um. Wow. To and this- believe me, they're not talking about him and his town the way they're talking about Kyle Schwarber here or to this point. Um, I don't know. I don't know who number one is, but Scott Shebler of the, of the Reds, Scott Shebler, Kyle Schwarber, similar second Melvin Nieves. Number eight on this list. Here you go. Cup fans talk about overloved Tyler Colvin. Oh, he's number eight on that list. Number eight on the similarity scores list. And and as long as the Brewers are alive, Eric Thames. Eric Thames. Oh, Eric Thames. See now, this is the thing. You, you the Schwarber is supposed to be more than that. So yeah, that's you know that's... who he's. You know career. Let's just finish this off. I'll give you something else too. Mm-hmm. Second is Dave Kingman through age twenty five. Wow. Yeah. Is that what you want? No. <laughs> that's not... I'll give you time to think about no. it. That's not uh, that's not who they were hoping for when they were calling him Babe F and Ruth around the front office. It's not what they were hoping for. Dave F and Kingman. Oh. There's some other interesting names on here, and this is why you dream about him. Because at the bottom of this similarity similar batters through age 25, there's Bo Jackson. Mm. And there's also well, see, Bo Jackson. Randall Gritchick. Well, uh, oh, well, think about it. Randall Gritchick, huge prospect who never really amounted uh, to, to much in St. Uh-huh. Louis, and then they sent him away. Right. Bo Jackson, obviously, incredibly skilled and athletic, but you look at his offensive numbers and what he actually ended up doing, and it wasn't. I mean, he went all Shorber on him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Football player, Schwarber as a football player is a really good power hitting baseball player. And yet, if this is what he's like, if you took away the the Babe F and Ruth dreaming, right? Which they themselves well, instigated. he was the first guy I thought of when when Theo said, "Sure, we got to think about production, not projection." Not, mm-hmm. But there's still 25 homers. He's the guy who never goes to the home run derby again. I believe he's the guy. It's all individual. We've seen some guys. Do great after a home run derby. Bryce Harper was wonderful. Bobby Abreu wasn't. Schwarber wasn't. Just never goes to that again. That is the problem with Kyle Schwarber, evaluating Kyle Schwarber's second half in terms of power. He might be Babe F and Ruth if he never goes to the home run derby again. Hmm, I don't know. There's just not enough of a, of a contact approach. There's not enough of that B-hack, not enough situational awareness to change the way that he attacks every at bat has he become more true three true outcome than you thought? Absolutely. Yeah. They 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 said he's a hitter. Remember? They said well, over they and over he's a hitter. Everybody's a hitter yeah. and themselves and themselves. I had to admit that the love affair was not uh, was not justified. Are you a believer in WPA? Um, the that's is is that win the best of the win probability ad? I thought you meant. Um, 
the the Works in Progress administration yeah, or whatever right. FDR sure. whatever. tried to do to get right, the, the New works. Deal. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So the New Deal here is analytics. Do you <laughs> do you believe swear by put any faith in the win probability at I don't look at that one a lot, no. All right. Let me just I, I found this rather amusing when a lit when Baseball Reference keeps it, mm-hmm. and they have win probability added for the postseason. You know, like clutch, and and number one is David Ortiz. Number two is Albert Pujols. Hmm. This is career, so obviously it's not, haven't kept it. Well, they, they actually went back and did it, because number three is Lance Berkman, four is Pete Rose, number five is Lou Gehrig. Hmm. Six is Carlos Beltran. See, this is where this is a weird thing. This is because this there's is, iconic moments of failure for some of those guys. The random, the randomness of a playoff. Beltran, Beltran standing there and 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 watching a strike better. three. It's right? going to get better. Number seven is Eric. I'm sorry. Six is Beltran. Seven is Eric Hosmer. Eight is Justin Turner, who was sitting standing there at the plate with the Dodgers having a chance to win last night's game. Oops. Uh-huh. Only only if John Lackey was on the mound does that game end yeah, with Justin Turner doing what Justin Turner does. It's Adam Adam Wainwright striking out Beltran uh looking to end the NLCS uh, game 7. And here's the here's the poster child for playoff randomness. Number 9, all-time career win probability added number 9 ahead of number 10 Miguel Cabrera. Uh-huh. Is David Freeze. So, and we'll see you skeptic. tomorrow night. Yes. Well, your and I love that. A tribute to his dad. Joe Buck tribute I to his dad that. when David Freeze hit that home run in yes. that very underrated World Series by the way. Yes. Yes it was. That was if you just like baseball yeah. and like, the but the idea that David that's that speaks he's the poster child for the randomness of playoff baseball, but that's the also the best thing about it. It's the worst thing if you're the Cubs because you think, well, we're locked stock we got but everybody's got a David Bodie in the playoffs. Somebody can be that guy. Mark Lemke. Somebody's going to be Brian Doyle. <laughs> Brian Doyle Murray. Who knows? It could be anybody. Denny Doyle. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Gene Tennis. Gene Tennis is going to have that one world. <laughs> he was that guy. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we might or might not have David Schuster. It depends on a lot of things if we're still awake. Because just the thought of it makes me sleepy. Rosenblum and Spiegel, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And so we can let this song go for the next hour and a half, and our radio show is over. This will just be the walk-up music to Illinois football at 2 (laughs) o'clock. Steve Rosen, Matt Spiegel, thank you for listening. Here's David Schuster. Hi, David. Hey, guys. Well, listen, go ahead and let it play for the next hour and a half. It might be a step up, to be honest with you. Hey, I resemble that remark. I know you do. So... Jabari Parker, a bigger disaster to team chemistry than Dwayne Wade or not? Uh, not yet, but still to be <laughs> but it's early. Still to be determined. I'll tell you one thing. He doesn't like talking to the media after games. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, he had a good game last night. You would think he would take the opportunity, but even before I got into the locker room and I was the first one in, he was gone. So, um, I don't know, maybe he knew I was going to be the first one and he decided to split, but you know, he's he's a very guarded person. I've known that for a long time, going back to his high school days. I've actually uh, uh, met him outside of the sports arena on a couple of occasions. He's just a very guarded individual. 
But honestly, guys, it only takes two or three minutes to answer some stupid questions after a game, and, and I don't understand why he doesn't do it. Well, he he had 19 points last night as that uh, sixth man. Off the bench. Off the, off the bench. Um, see, you know, has it, has it been clearly communicated to him, by the way, this is going to be your role now, or are they still just figuring all these things out? Uh, for now, that appears to be his role, but listen, I've been around this too long with too many teams to know what's etched in stone before the season even starts, might not even be etched in stone after the first game. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. Listen, you're not a championship team, so obviously it's a work in progress. So, I mean, it's all been necessitated some changes here because Lowry Markkinen went down and he's not going to be back until somewhere after the first six weeks of the season. So Parker, who was going to be slotted in the small forward position, had to be moved to the power forward position. But the Bulls and, and the games that he was starting – just didn't get off to any kind of good starts. There was no energy. Uh, Bobby Portis is all about energy, so this is what Fred Hoiberg wanted to do. So for right now, and I emphasize for right now, he's your backup power forward. Um, it's going to be really interesting if it stays that way when marketing comes back, because what is he going to be, the third power forward on your bench? That doesn't make any sense for $20 million. So I would just simply say, guys, it's a work in progress, and stay tuned to see what happens game by game, day by day. Talking with David Schuster, talking to the Bulls here on The Score, Rosenblum and Spiegel. We suck so you don't have to. And the Bulls starting lineup, if it goes Dunn, Levine, Holiday, Portis and Wendell Carter Jr. as it has the last couple games. What do you think? What have you thought? What are you? What's your scouting report heading into the regular season about Wendell Carter Jr.? Um, I like him. I don't know honestly if he's ready to start a regular season. I mean, he he plays with a lot of energy. He hustles all the time. He's got that quote dog in him, and I don't mean that in a negative way, I mean that in a positive way. That's how Bobby Portis is described, that he will go after everything uh, and hustle and, and try and get every rebound, block every shot. But, you know, it's asking a lot for a guy who's one year out of college, and I know there's some guys who are superstars sometimes right out of college one year. I don't know if he's that person, though, to start in an NBA Robin Lopez, you can say what you want. He's been around the block. He knows all the tricks. He's certainly a bigger a presence, at least physically, in the middle. So I don't know how long this is going to last. Like I said, everything is a work in progress right now. This is how they ended the preseason. It's probably even how they're going to start the regular season. And, and let's face it, he's got a big test, Wendell Carter Jr., if he starts the regular season against Joel Embiid, because in my estimation, he's already the best center in basketball. You know, there's only a few things that this year is really about, David, and one of them is getting Wendell Carter uh, as much experience as possible. and At whatever the price. And, at whatever the price, including the ego of Jabari Parker. So it's like, and and, <laughs> and, and, and getting Carter and Markkinen to, to, to play well together and seeing if they can figure out how they complement each other, because that could be very nicely how they complement each other. So, and, and one of the th- other thing the year is about is Fred Hoiberg reestablishing that he's the boss of this team, you know, um, and th- this is an opportunity again that Jabari Parker is presenting. These are all Fred's guys now. There's, 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 there's no Tom Thibodeau carryover and leftovers for Fred here anymore, right? Well, and your point is well taken, Matt, because obviously he is establishing once again that he is the boss. I mean, listen, coaches always, if nothing else, I mean, they're paid minuscule compared to some of the players, but he is establishing he controls the minutes. He controls who's in the starting lineup. He controls who comes off the bench. So, yes, for right now, he's showing what he has to do. So, all right, he is the boss. He also has to win games, to be honest with you. Um, to maybe not be a lame duck coach or, or who knows what, even after this 
you know, present season, that's about to start. But, yes, you're absolutely right. He is establishing that he is the boss. And for right now, Jabari, you will do what I say. Why does he have to win games? Yeah, that's what I, I don't because want to Because I know what yeah. was saying is the most important thing is Markkinen has to come back and get better. Wendell Carter Jr. has to show that he's worthy of starting. And, and it seems more player development than making the playoffs even in whatever the East is. And you say win games. Has have Pax and Gar Foreman except, said it's about wins this year? No, they have not, okay. although they did say improvement, and they're not going to, quote-unquote, they never use the word, but I will, tank the season like they did last year, or at least right. try to tank the season. Um, so, yeah, they, they have to win games. Listen, any coach who's in this fourth year of a five-year contract, no matter what the roster has been the three previous years, you've got to start winning games in the fourth year. This roster is better than it was last year. Unfortunately, Markkinen's gone down, and that's going to hurt them in the win total in the long run and the short run. But he still has to win games. All right, so let's just say Wendell Carter shows you something and, and Hutchinson shows you something, but they go 20-62. and 62. Don't you think that at that point upper management says, you know what, not good enough? Has I... Hutchinson made a basket yet? Say again? Has Hutchinson made a basket yet? I'm not sure. I don't think he made one last night, so I'm not 100 percent sure. Because like I, okay, I just these these they don't need Jordan Bell, and they do need they've they've been spying on a 22nd overall pick for several years now. This is, I I mean that's that's Gar Foreman. That's their decision, and it took somebody as stupid as Jimmy Butler acting like a clown to make Gar Foreman look like he knew what he was doing in a trade. Gar Foreman won that trade because of what Jimmy Butler's done. That, that Nobody can say that very often. I will say this, though. Uh, as far as Hutchinson goes, he's going to get more minutes, especially after the trading deadline. I just don't see Justin Holiday being here after the trading deadline. And Wendell Carter, even if he's not starting, he definitely will get a lot more minutes because I don't think Robin Lopez will be around after the trading deadline. To me, wow. those are two pl- players, and, and I don't know if, if people even care, to be honest with you, but those are two players that – it's easily, you can see, they're not going to be here after the trading deadline. So the younger players, and maybe you're right, maybe maybe at that juncture of the season, especially if there's no playoffs in, in sight, maybe then the uh, upper management takes a look. What are their two draft picks doing going forward? A little bit of news today uh, regarding a former Bull and not Jimmy Butler. It appears that today, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, the New York Knicks are going to waive Joakim Noah. And spread out and thoroughly eat the remaining thirty-eight million dollars on his contract. Tibbs wouldn't take him in a trade. Thirty-eight million, just gonna flat out cut him. Poor, my God, Joe. Joe got himself paid. I I loved Joe as a player here. He was my favorite athlete in this town for a good five six years. He just kept getting better. Uh, and he busted his ass. He was the heart and soul of these teams. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that Game 7 effort against the uh, the Nets when he seemingly won a playoff series by himself because Brooke Lopez was a, a child. Of a job. It wasn't it Boston? It was the Boston series? Too? Yeah, but you're, you're, yes. Um, but, yeah, Joe Dunn in New York. That's That'll go down as perhaps the worst contract in the history of the NBA. Until probably the next one that's signed. I mean, listen, the NBA is pretty known for making stupid contracts. I don't know if that's the worst of all time. It's pretty but bad. There'll, there'll be others down the road. Listen, I will say this about Joakim Noah. He did not have exactly the kind of basketball talent that you would expect from a player who was drafted as high as he was. Uh, you know, he was coordinated to a certain degree. He just was so 
different than um, not unorthodox, I guess you can say, but he did bust his ass. You're 100% correct about that, Maddie. Did and still is doing great work off the court, even here in Chicago. So, you know, I'll remember him for that. Some incredible quotes after games. He was always fun to talk to and really busted his ass. But in the long run, I think injuries took a toll on him, and then ultimately he just didn't find a role in New York. And I don't know if he's going to get picked up by anybody, at least not initially, but there were some good moments of him in a Bulls uniform here for sure. Especially when he says, I don't know anybody who vacations in Cleveland. And I love that. <laughs> you like Cleveland? You think it's cool? <laughs> so did you see any movies, David? Yeah, I saw a couple of movies. One uh, really, really, really good, and one pretty awful. I'll start with the awful one, Venom. Uh, a Marvel kind of movie, um, sort of an offshoot Marvel movie, with Tom Hardy, who I really like as an actor. This movie was so cartoonish that it was actually funny bad, if you know what I'm saying. Stupid in general, but cartoonish no. funny bad. At Ten bucks a ticket, twelve bucks a ticket. I don't know funny bad. Yeah, well, whatever. Okay. I, I I think I got in for eight. Um, you know, it was one well, of the, the first, senior so. citizen early morning discount. I go to the nine thirty movies in the morning. Right. Yeah, it's great. There's nobody in the theater. What did you like? Uh, Star is Born, really, really good. It definitely will get nominated in a lot of categories, including um, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper, who I think, I know he directed it, I think he produced it as well, and obviously he acted in it, along with Lady Gaga, who was really good, right out of the shoot. I think she was in one other small cameo in a movie, but this is a starring role, and she was great. Obviously her voice is unbelievably great. And I think this is the fourth time this movie was made, which might be some kind of record for a movie being remade. I don't know if any others have been remade that many times, but this one was a good movie, and obviously it's sort of like a chick flick, but I enjoyed no, it as well. I thought it was brilliant, Dave. It was really, really well and, done. And I was I was ready to dislike it. I was I went in. What? Well, I I was ready to of Bradley Cooper singing. Well, yeah, I wasn't sure if that was going to work. He was um, pretty good. I thought he was remarkable, and I thought the different musical collaborators they got. Jason Isbell wrote the most important song in the movie, which is that uh, that little acoustic ballad. And Mark Ronson produced a bunch of stuff. Lady Gaga got her collaborators to do stuff. And the musical scenes, David, it felt like I haven't enjoyed live music in a movie like that since probably Almost Famous. Like, it felt like I was at the rock concert. Really? It was gritty and pretty damn badass, and I was and surprised. You know, you know what, Matt, there's two movies that are upcoming that I saw trailers for. Yeah. The Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, about Queen. I'm looking forward to that one. And there's one about Elton John as well. Yeah, I saw, so, those, saw those previews. The Elton John one scares me that, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that one, that one didn't really catch my attention that much. But the one about Bohemian Rhapsody, I can't wait for that one to come out. Yeah, that guy looks exactly like Freddie Mercury. Yep. Well, I don't know how they did that. All right, David, thanks. Get back to the interesting things that you were doing. Okay, guys. Have a good one. Thanks. It's David Schuster. Yeah, you got to see a star, a star is Born, Steve, because, like, Bradley Cooper's character, they nail it. They nail this kind of, like, this sort of Americana thing, like aging the Eagles, like an aging version of the Eagles mm -hmm. mixed with, like, Wilco, Jeff Tweedy. Saw kind that. Of, Actually, like, with, with Grody. We saw him at uh, Prisker Pavilion. He, that he, was... he nailed this particular kind of genre of, of Americana right now. And, and then the Gaga stuff is nailing what, what her world was and continues to be. So it was really well Bradley done. Bradley Cooper has become one of those guys. This would be the greatest test. One of those guys for me of... I, I like Tom Hanks. I would I would expect everything, expect him to be good and the movie to be excellent that he's in. That's the kind of role I look at that and have, would have no trepidation. This would be the greatest 
test because he's singing. I just never imagined he's him singing, and there's like it's like a, a hardcore a vanity project. Like he's dreamed of himself being the the rock star. Yeah, in a, in a movie, and like can they you pull are. that off? And he yeah. totally pulls it off. Basketball players want to be actors. Actors want to be athletes, and all of them want to be rock stars. Sure, that's the way it works out. Yeah, and the comedians are in there somewhere. Yes, as they well. Are. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, we're hoping the pizza shows up. <laughs> this is not really a good sign, but we'll uh, top of the hour. We'll talk to Christopher Hine, formerly of my Chicago Tribune, now has the pleasure of covering Jimmy Butler for however long that's going to last up in Minnesota. We'll talk about that soap opera. Rosenblum and Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Fox Sports, FS1, whoever that was. Dodgers, Brewers, final call. That was Corey Knable. That was not John Lackey. Otherwise, Justin Turner would have hit the ball to the San Fernando Valley. AJ Przinsky was on Mully and Haw talking about Mm -hmm. who he's picking. And we were just talking about that off the air. Welcome back. Saturday Suckage, Rosenblum and Spiegel. We suck so you don't have to. And we are watching baseball evolve. We're watching the bullpenning of a postseason. We saw the Brewers do that with their opener, only they let him go longer than Tampa Bay. Gio Gonzalez pitched two innings. Right, his initial outgetter. That's what Craig Council calls it. Not a starting pitcher. It was his initial outgetter. Then came Brandon Woodruff, the slugger, who has as many October home runs as any Cub, and he hit it off Kershaw. By the way, if Kershaw is the greatest pitcher of a generation, how do you how do you explain that five point two four NLCS ERA career? Yeah, but moving right along. Oh no, it's 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 been rough. He's given up uh, a lot of runs in a lot of starts over his over his postseason career. Last night was a bad one to add to that pile after a very good one in the uh, NLDS. Against, but against the, the Cubs last year. You know, great stat. Yes, absolutely. Great stat shown by Fox uh, last night, which is that Kershaw's fastball velocity, the average fastball velocity, has decreased every one of the last four years. And also his fastball usage has decreased every one of the last four years. He's not the same guy. He gets people out now spotting the slider and spotting the curve and mixing things up. So is he going to opt out and get... A free agent deal. He's got two years, and I believe it's about $65 million left on his I, contract. I wouldn't. Pitching at Dodger Stadium is about as friendly as it's going to get. Maybe you go to San Diego. They're not going to do that. You I saw, don't know why you'd do that. You saw what happened last year. Arietta got, what, three years at 75? And that's, a, that's the good comp because of the, the fastball the fastball diminishing. Yes, and the age. He's 30. Uh, Kershaw is, is 30. So I mean, the Dodgers are going to be competitive every year. Why would you leave? Do you want to win or not? Well, they might pay him more. You could probably get them to keep you and extend the contract by a couple of years. But you know, I, he had he had a very good year. Um, it's just a matter of whether he's, he's going to get quite as much as he run. thinks. And the way, look at the way the game is going. Look, oh, let's, look at the way, so let's that's talk the about thing. that. The bullpenning when they try to speed up the game and there's a pitching change every other inning. So the bullpenning of that the Brewers did. We're we're I like watching it evolve where you don't have to, as I said, hold your breath because it's your team or your if it's the Cubs doing this. This is a plan. It seems better conceived and not forced the way, say, Joe Madden forced John Lester into Game Seven of the World Series. And and this was dealing with Gio Gonzalez and then Woodruff, and he was going to run his guys out there. And then Josh Hader, Hader, as long as he could get him. Because he wasn't going to use him today. Mm-hmm. But does he have everybody else today? Because that's the problem with bullpenning. Who's left 
to to uh, to to win a game, or doesn't it matter? Because you now you're going to get come home. You got your split. You're guaranteed your split. Got his got his game. Well, they well they are home because they're they're the best team. Oh, I'm the, sorry. Yeah, yeah no, I know. I kept thinking of Dodger, I kept thinking of Justin Turner hitting a ball to the San Fernando Valley. No, so I right. got you. No, but but it, the interesting thing about watching this happen is is that. You know, and it's just like whenever a trend kind of overtakes the game, right. I always go back to the way Larusa kind of Larusa and Dave Duncan defined the modern bullpen with those late '80s A's teams, right? Like Eckersley was your closer, and um, Greg Catteray and Eric Plunk and Rick Honeycutt and wow. those guys. Played to get Greg Catteray, you know, uh, right? And Gene Nelson. So it was the, they had two. He had a righty lefty short man, a righty lefty long Gene man. Gene Nelson or Jeff Nelson? Gene. Gene Nelson. Gene. He had a righty lefty short man, a righty lefty long man, and then a closer. And then every, all of a sudden, everybody said, "That's what we need. That's what we need." Yep. And then with get us all of that. Whether they whether they had guys who were good enough to do it or not, they did it. And when Terry Francona started doing this thing with the Andrew great Miller Andrew Miller in the sixth inning, right, or whatever high leverage, and spot. and Cody Allen and Brian Shaw, like when he started doing this thing, and he had guys who could do it, then Madden and other guys started going, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna do this. I got one of them. I'm gonna do it too." Yeah, whether they have the horses or not. And here are the Brewers taking it to an extra special level, and they've got they've got two definite horses who can do. Anything. Wherever you pitch Brandon Woodruff, he's going to get guys out right now. Mm-hmm. Wherever you pitch Josh Hader, he's going to get guys out right now. But so they're it, using him this how, way. But how many days in a row can – we know Hader can't go two days in a row when he's thrown two, two and a half. Three, well, he, he, could third, go, three he could go two days in a row if he used him less, but, but they're just, yeah. they've decided that two days is a magical amount of rest for him. They're going to give him two days whenever, whenever possible. Um, and I, I, I bet if he does pitch in game three – it won't be so much that he can't pitch in both games four and five. They'll probably try to keep that down. So all of a sudden, you got those kind of things to balance. But all right, you got Woodruff and you got Hader, and then you feel pretty good about Knebel as as the closer. But Jeremy Jeffress, Jeremy Jeffress is a guy you're going to trust with big big innings over and, and over did. and over again. They, and they did. They have. And they and they survived. But I'm not sure they have the horses to do this in as many games as it will take. Um and and other certain other teams absolutely do not have have the horses to do this have the bullpen guys to do this and and you you start to worry at least I do about that trend kind of overtaking the game and managers doing this when they don't really have the pitchers capable of doing it. I got the feeling in the Dodgers case I've seen this in other games where you're right the managers want to jump on that or teams want their manager to jump on that trend. Mm-hmm. But it's more about I can't let this game get out of hand. I've got to do whatever I can to keep it this close. And a guy like whereas you normally, if you're Dodgers, if you're the Dodgers, I don't trust their bullpen. I really need seven innings out of my starters. That, yeah, but, all the, these these teams are different in that way. Right. Without a doubt. But you're not gonna you you're afraid that if if you're expecting seven innings, it might be five nothing. You're not coming back against Hater. You're not gonna and when however they. They they roll out their bullpen, and I think that has an effect on – that forces the hand of teams, like you said, don't have the talent to do that, mm-hmm. don't have the right guys, but the managers are doing it because they fear games getting out of hand. When you watch tonight and Chris Sale, it, it, if Sale is rolling – By the way, I thought of you when it was Sale Verlander. I thought yeah, – Which is this, tonight. That's amazing. This is a great, great Stratomatic matchup. 
This is this is. Did you ever play Stratomatic baseball? I didn't play Stratomatic. I, did. this I was, played a dynasty this was, and pursued the pennant. This was this Fergie. Thing. This Ferguson Jenkins and Bob Gibson. This is what. This is the kind of game. All right. This is the right. kind of game. I'm sorry. Well, there's there's a bullpen where they don't have guys. The Red Sox have have the worst bullpen in the postseason. They have Keith Folk. <laughs> um, I believe Bob Stanley is there. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, it knows they have the worst bullpen, and they they should push their starters. They they survived barely game one of the ALDS against the Yankees. Sale went five and a third shutout. They took them out with a five nothing lead. They won five four by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. Then they did bring Sale back in relief later on. Um, I actually think David Price should be in their bullpen because he's well. He was. Yeah, he well, was for the end of that series. Yeah, he, he. Yeah, well, because he forced bullpenning. He really was. He was. He was their he, opener. Yeah, he, he was their initial out getter. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't get enough outs. Yeah. See, he's a guy that's worse than Kershaw. How do you explain that? A guy with terrific regular season resume, and then you get to that October humans, and humans. human Price is a human, and uh, b- by the way. Wow. If if you get a chance and the game matters, um, watch Pedro Martinez doing post game. He is he is the star of all these pre and post things. You can have your A Rod and your your Poppy Ortiz. He's the worst. He was I was listening. He's the cotton candy of baseball analysts. A Rod, yes. It's just it's nothing. He's the Rice Krispie treat. It's just air. There's nothing. Hmm. Do you learn anything from him? I've had times where I did. Um, really? Last year, the year before. I missed the two But times. Uh, he, he's turned me off a lot when he does games. Maybe it's just too much to, to hear him doing games. But Pedro was so brilliant talking about David Price after he was terrible in game two of that series. I can listen to Pedro for, for hours and hours and hours. Um, but a lot of Brewers fans are texting in saying that um, tonight they have Burns, Corbin Burns, and Junior Guerra, and Peralta, and they can go back to Jeffress tonight. So they've got they've got a lot they got a lot of they do have a lot of guys and Corbin a lot of Burns arms. played third base, I thought. And um, well, scratch him off well, then. He's dead <laughs> with Willie Mays Hayes. Yes. Uh, Calvin Schiraldi is going to be big for Boston tonight. Is. So is Serrano, is is that Kyle Schwarber? Is that what we're dealing with? Oh, oh, Serrano. All right, we'll take a break. we come back, uh, we're going to go up to Minnesota. We'll talk to Christopher Hine about Jimmy Butler, the lost Kardashian sibling. The Chicago Wolves open their 25th anniversary season tonight at Allstate Arena. Rolled back concession prices, free parking, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Kia dealers. Visit ChicagoWolves.com for tickets. And the bottom of the hour was brought to you by Lakeside Bank. Most bankers don't have any power. At Lakeside Bank, decisions get made quickly because Lakeside bankers do have the power to get things done. Bank with power. Join Lakeside Bank. It's about time. What'd you do about the pizza, Eli? Five minutes. I believe, uh, if I heard correctly, five minutes. The way it is, Steve. Steve is hungry. Yeah. Does it make you I'm suck hangry. suck more or I'm suck hangry. less if you're hungry? It's not possible to suck more. It's just sucking in a different. You know, it's sort of like a pachinko machine. As it goes down into the suckage, it just bounces <laughs> all over. <laughs> Rosenblum and Spiegel, we suck so you don't have to, but there's a pizza joint that's outdoing us. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 